You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. This is Ryan Reddington, and you're listening to Mushy Radio. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I am joined tonight by my co-host Tony and we are doing the Kobuk 440 race preview. It's been a little bit since we've done one of these. Uh, we did every one of them in the month of January and February leading up to the Yukon Quest and Iditarod. And we've took a couple of weeks hiatus and we are back. So be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you follow podcasts. That way you don't miss these bi-weekly episodes. Tony, how's it going tonight? It's going great. Uh, we had snow and rain this morning, and now it's bright sunshine and snow is melting. So it's a great way to kick off April for South Central. Of course, it's still cold and snowy out on the west coast of Alaska, where we're going to be following a race this weekend. So it's, it's springtime in Alaska, where it's 40 below. It is springtime in Alaska, and I love talking about this race. This is one of my favorite ones to talk about because in most of the world, the mushing uh, world is calming down a little bit. Uh, you know, like we said, Iditarod is over, but this is a big-time race, isn't it? It is. It gets a lot of people excited. Um, the communities uh, surrounding Kotzebue that the race goes through everyone gets really excited about it they host a whole spring fling or festival kind of like what we have right before Iditarod with the Ferrandi and Anchorage same thing that we see in Bethel when the Cusco kicks off so it's it's a big deal uh they love their dog mushing off the, the west coast of Alaska as we do here on the road system so uh it's always fun to watch and it's it's that you know, we, we spent two weeks of nothing but dog mushing with Iditarod, so it's nice to have this little bit of mushing before we get into the mud season. It is. So what do you know about the Kobuk 440? So the Kobuk 440 was started in 1988. Uh, like most of our mid-distance races uh, that started in the 80s, it really was focusing on cultivating not only the teams uh, on the road system, but of course those village teams that don't have the opportunity to come to many of those mid-distance races that we had back then. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that their village mushers still had the opportunity to qualify for the big races like the Iditarod and of course the Yukon Quest that had just started just a few years before the Kobuk. 
Um, we saw some pretty big champion names from Iditarod also come to the Kobuck over the years. Susan Butcher's won, Jeff King's won this race, uh, John Baker, Ed Eaton, Pete Kaiser, Ken Anderson, Tim Smith, Nick Petit, Jesse Holmes, just some of the names that have won. Um, Ryan Reddington, of course, has won this race a couple of times, and he's actually in that area doing some presentations at the schools during this whole spring festival. Uh, and then we have uh, the reigning champion of Hugh Neff, who is, of course, racing again this year. So uh, it's a it's a big race. It's not one. It's like the Cusco. It's not one that, you know, it's, it's got names that folks may not recognize because they're not names that necessarily come race Iditarod or the Bear Grease uh, or the Quest. They, they have a mix of those West Coast mushers as well as the quote-unquote big-name mushers. They do. And this is not an easy race by any stretch of the imagination. It is a 440-mile race, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the race trail here in a second. But it's my understanding, Tony, please correct me if I'm wrong, but they decided to do a 440 mileage so they could sort of skirt a little bit under the Iditarod and slash Yukon Quest qualifying rules by having it less than that 450. And I say that because you need at least uh, uh, two 300s, or I guess a, a 400 and a 300, and a 200-mile race in order to qualify. Am I correct with that, or is there something different with that uh, 440 miles? Honestly, I don't know why the 440. I don't know if it's that. that's just because they wanted to hit the checkpoints that they do and do that loop. I'm not sure. Their history page on their website has some great photos, but it's not it's not very meaty. And um, I think a lot of that is because they uh, they even say on their website that they have to go through paper archives from the local newspaper and just you know, word of mouth. So it may be that that's not something that's publicized. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I do know that they note that at one time they hosted a Cobuck 220 and a Coastal 250. So I don't know if it was combining those two races. That's something that uh, I will definitely be researching. And then maybe our post-race, I'll have an update on that. So the race starts in the community of Kotzebue. And if you're looking at a map of Alaska, if you head up pretty much due north of Nome, that's where you run into Kotzebue. It is a race above the Arctic Circle. And that's a relatively big community in terms of Alaskan communities. Not quite as big as Nome or Bethel, but it definitely has a few folks up there. So it does do a loop around that portion of of Alaska. It starts in Kotzebue, then goes to Norvok, Kiana, and I may not be saying these right in terms of uh, native <laughs> dialect, but Ambler, and then it goes to Kobuk and does a switch around, because this is just a big loop, then Shunganak, then Sawalak, Sawalak, and then back to Norvok, and then finishing back into Kotzebue. And what's interesting is that area between Norfolk and Kotzebue, I believe, was that last year, Tony, when um, when uh, Hugh and Deke were sort of battling it out for first and second on that long stretch between Norfolk and Kotzebue? I believe it was, wasn't it? 
it was Richie Deal. And Richie Deal, Janelle, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know the Kobuk's known for those nasty little ground storms that pop up. Uh, seemingly out of the blue. So, and that's what happened last year is they, they got some nasty weather towards the end and uh, Hugh managed to, to keep Richie off of him, but there, I think it was a finish of less than two minutes between the top two teams. And one of the things that they did cool on the Kobuk website and it's Kobuk, K-O-B-U-K 440.com is they did a little bit of a like an infographic type thing. And I think it's pretty cool because it lists uh, when the team should be in particular checkpoints. And I know this is a tough race to follow if you're not in these communities. And they have on Friday, April 7th, teams will leave into Norvok, Kiana, and Ambler. On the 8th, into Shunganak, Kobuk, and Ambler. Sunday, teams into Swalok and Norvik, and they hope to have a winner sometime on Monday at around 6 p.m., which I think is pretty cool. Uh, they are projecting a finish on Sunday or Monday. Uh, so this is a longer race than a lot of the qualifiers that we talked about. Typically, they're just uh, short weekend races, if you will, starting on Friday and ending on Sunday or so. But this is a little bit longer since it is a 440. But let's talk a little bit about the mushers. They have a good meet the mushers section on their website. If you click on each one of them, they've got decent bios. I like to see that. Uh, sometimes uh, they are lacking in this on some of the websites, but it looks like they did their homework a little bit and uh, really dove in to talk to some of these guys. So who is racing this race? I know they're doing a mass start. Is that right? Yep. They always uh, do a mass start unless there's something that keeps them from it. But I don't think I've seen them not do a mass start in the last few years, at least. Um, that's where basically all the teams line up in a, in a line and they're told go and they can choose to all take off at the same time. And then they bottleneck as they hit the trail, which I mean, where they start on the Kobuk, there, there's so much open space. You don't have to bottleneck for quite a while before you have to hit the trail. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot of energy, a mass start. It's a, to it's a whole other thing. What I love about mass starts is I don't have to do time differential math trying to figure out the mandatory rest. So, uh, yeah, mass starts are, are fantastic. So tell us who's in the race this year. Sure. I'm going to go alphabetically because, uh, as we're recording this, they're actually doing the bib draw. Um, so we've got Bailey Vitello, we've got Dempsey Woods, Hugh Neff, Jeff Dieter, Jesse Downey, Jesse Holmes, uh, Jim Borklin. I'm not sure I'm saying his last name correctly. Uh, Kevin Hansen, Laro Eklund, Martin Early, Michelle Phillips, and Richie Deal are all uh, on the roster. They cap it at 20. They didn't get that 20 mark. Um, but this is a really healthy roster, especially when you consider it's not on the road system. Yeah, and I'm looking through the bios right now. And one thing cool that they do that I haven't seen done on a lot of these other mushing websites is in the bio, they list the key dogs from each team. And I'm just going to mm -hmm. go through a couple of them. Jim Borkwin lists his key dogs as Chewbacca, Ursa, and Biggie. <laughs> 
And let's see here, Bailey Vitello, he lists his dogs as Twally and Senator. And let's go back and go to Jessie Downey. She is a willow musher. She has Winnie, Byrne, Rowan, Cezanne, Trapper, and Espresso. And let's see, Michelle Phillips has Indy, Dougal, Cleo, and Lambo. And we'll do one more here. Let's do somebody that we have not talked about before. Let's talk about Martin Early. He has, oh, to be announced. So he's keeping it under the <laughs> cuff, if you will. So let's go to one more. We talked a lot about Laurel Eklund in the uh, in the Yukon um, quest. quest, and he has yep. Frodo and Boromir, I guess it is. I love to hear the <laughs> dogs' names. I, I don't think that uh, many uh, musher, uh, mushing pages do this. Mm -hmm. I, I think they should do this more, don't you? Oh, I totally agree, and I know that that's something that several um, folks within the mushing community have asked for, not just fans, but uh, I know Danny Seavey has wanted to have that information and actually Im implement that into fantasy mushing and that sort of thing. Um, I, I understand. I mean, that's again, it's just like trying to get a good bio from the mushers. Trying to get a team uh, list is almost impossible just because they don't know until start day who who makes the team a lot of the time. Um, you know, Martin Early you, you says to be announced. You know, he didn't even know. He actually runs uh, out of the Husky Homestead Kennel, so Jeff King's dogs. Uh, he ran the Kobuk last year and uh, said that it was a pretty intense experience. It was much further than he had ever raced the dogs before. So um, I think he's, you know, on, on that more rookie end of just going, I'm just glad to be here, guys. Um, but it, it is. I would love to see. I would love to see more information on the dogs. I just noticed Iditarod started today. They're going back and they're listing the dogs for each team. Uh, that ran Iditarod this year, they're talking with those mushers to get that list of dogs that, that ran and finished the race. Yeah, I saw that as well. I think that I think they should really take the reins and run with that. Take the mm -hmm. harness and run Agreed. with it, if you will. So do you have <laughs> any uh, any stories that are developing on this race or is, is things kind of mum so far? Well, you know, they did um, meet the mushers for the local radio station there. I unfortunately did not get a chance to listen to it this morning. Um, so I'm sure if you can find a recording of that, I would highly recommend everyone go to, I think it's kotz.org is their website. Even if they don't have the interviews, they will have updates throughout the weekend for the race. It's a great, um, it's a great tool to, to follow the race as well as track leaders, of course, little tracky boys as they call them. Um, I think the big story that I've noticed just in following is how many different mushers aren't running this race but are still there. You've got Ryan Reddington, who of course is kind of on his champion tour talking to all of the, the different uh, schools, especially out there in the villages, which I think is a huge deal. He's really taking the reins on that. I don't often see the champions hit many of the schools, especially right after their win. So Ryan's there. He, he was there with the, the musher meeting. Um, I've seen several other 
Mushers, uh, Gunner, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Gunner Johnson. Uh, he is not running. He's, of course, run the Iditarod in the past, but he's out there volunteering. So, I mean, the, the mushing community is coming together to make sure that this race goes down as one of the best races of the season. So it's, it, that's my big story for the, the pre-race. Well, speaking of Ryan Reddington, we have an interview coming up with him in just a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. We recorded it the other night, and we also have in the queue uh, Jason Mackey. We are talking to Eddie Burke this evening after uh, we do this show, and uh, several more are in place as well. You talked about Ryan doing his championship tour. I guess it's a little easier to fly to these uh, uh, Alaskan native communities than it is to to fly down south with a dog or two and jump on Letterman or <laughs> or one of those guys. Isn't that right? Uh, probably. And, you know, I think it, it's probably more in Ryan's wheelhouse to go to these communities and promote the sport instead of going to... BBS Studios or uh, NBC, which is what we've seen some of the other champions in the last few years uh, do is those big press tours there, which always kind of amuses me because most of the mushers don't really like that scene. But um, I, I love that Ryan's going to the villages and going to these rural communities and, and talking with the kids and really promoting the sport. And I think he's really uh, embracing his grandfather's legacy for the race and making sure that it does go back to the villages and does really try to reinvigorate and reinforce the, the tradition of dog mushing within the villages. Well, Tony, I don't know if I'm dating myself or I just go to bed too early, but <laughs> David Letterman has been off the air for probably a half a decade or more. So I never watched. I wasn't going to say anything. I, I, I never watched much of those shows, but I guess they still have, uh, uh, Craig Ferguson and who are the who are the late night hosts these days? I think it's James Corden and uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon are the names. And uh, Stephen Colbert has, I think, uh, a late night show as well. But I don't actually watch those either because I am a night owl, but I, I don't actually pay attention to the TV that late. So, uh, yeah, once in a while I might hear a name, but I think those are the names right now. I'm sure our listeners will be like, oh, my gosh, you guys sound like you're ancient. James Corden, that name uh, reminds me of something. Was he the guy that did something in regard to mushing at a yes. Starbucks or something? Yes. That was hilarious. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Romance on the Iditarod. It was his big movie that he was going to make, and... It's the most ridiculous thing, but I just absolutely love it. Well, if you can find that clip, Tony, that is your homework for oh, this yeah. evening. Find that clip, and we're <laughs> going to put it on the show notes page there. Okay, so last thing here, uh, since these guys are going to start tomorrow, and this is our preview show, there's a lot of big names on this race, and I think it's really mm -hmm. up in the air on anybody could really win. Do you have a favorite or two? You know, I I really think that Richie Deal could pull it off. He, of course, was third place uh, in Iditarod. He gave a really good fight for that position and, and gave Pete Kaiser and Ryan Reddington both a run for their money in that last leg. Uh, and he, like I said, he was only two minutes behind Hugh Ness last year. Uh, I expect Hugh to start out fast and hope to keep going fast with those Northern Whites. 
uh, all the way for 440 miles. Whether or not he does it and doesn't burn them out remains to be seen. And then I think Jesse Holmes is probably the the next team that could also. I mean, he's always a dark horse. He didn't quite have the Iditarod that he wanted, but uh, I would not count his team out for anything. Well, I am going to go with Jesse and Richie as well. And my sort of dark horse, if you will, uh, uh, we have Eastwood here giving her opinion of who she thinks is going to win. My dark horse, if you will, would be Jeff Dieter. I would be uh, excited to see see him do something special in this race because... Anytime you win, whether it's a uh, a qualifier or a, a race of this size, you know, a 440 or a 300 or even a 200, there's always bragging rights. And since this is the the mm-hmm. uh, sort of the the last race of the year, that's that's a heck of a long time to uh, talk smack to your musher buddies, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And you know, in the case of Jeff Dieter, he I believe is running several, if not the full team of dogs that Katie Joe ran in Iditarod, which of course she came in 16th place in her rookie finish. Um, and she said in a post-race interview that she felt that, you know, the dogs could have placed even higher if they had had Jeff, who would have been running a more competitive race, whereas Katie Joe was just running to finish. Um, and so I don't think we've seen the Black Spruce dogs hit their full potential yet this season. So with Jeff at the helm, we might see a little bit more of a competitive uh, run from them if he's running those dogs. I have not seen their list of, of team dogs. I think they'll probably, if they haven't announced it already, they'll announce it tonight. They're normally pretty good about that. Well, there you go, guys. We will be back on Monday to do a recap. And I know the race might not quite be over on Monday, but uh, I am heading to Belize with my wife, <laughs> Michelle, on the Red Eye on Monday night. So we have to get this in uh, before I am in the middle of nowhere with probably not very good Wi-Fi service. So bear with us when we do our recap. Hopefully we have a story or two to tell you about the race. Mm-hmm. And make sure you head on over to our Patreon page. We still have some of her uh, famous Idita cookies, uh, Tony's Idita cookies <laughs> that are on the board there. And you better be quick because we might just swipe that off the Patreon before you know it. So head on over to patreon.com slash firstpawmedia. And again, hit that subscribe button and uh, make sure you're catching these episodes when they drop. And please leave us a comment, a message, or a review. We loved hearing about those during I Did a Rod and sharing them as they came in. And if you have questions about uh, the Kobuk 440 uh, and uh, something you want to know about one of these mushers or two, we will do our best to find an answer for you. Tony, it's been a pleasure to uh, jump back on the podcast with you. We'll talk to you next time, okay? Sounds good. All right. On behalf of my co-host, this is Robert for Mushing Radio. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. 
If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.